Hello and welcome to Time for the Soul. My name is Sharon Kugler. I'm the Yale University Chaplain and today's episode features a wonderful human being that I came to know when she was an undergraduate at Yale, uh, Yvette Esteban. Yvette graduated from Yale College in 2018 and is currently a first-year law student at the law school class of 2025. And I came to know Yvette uh, during the fall of 2015 when a uh, number of student activists were really finding their voice to call into account uh, some uh, racial injustice and other inequities they were seeing and naming on Yale's campus. And I found it to be nothing short of a privilege to both listen and learn from her, but then come to know her even more deeply as a chaplaincy fellow with the chaplain's office. And Yvette, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. When I was making my list of who I wanted to talk to about the notion of call and vocation and living a life of consequence, I thought of you, and right by your name, I put fearless. <laughs> Love to hear that. <laughs> Tell me more. Am I right in, in that, that attribute that I'm uh, connecting with you? As a kind, I know that, you know, you're not always without fear, <laughs> but you definitely, when I watched you speak in front of people, I thought there is a, there is something fueling this person, and it's, there's also a fearlessness to name truth. Talk to me about that. Um, well, I think it's not necessarily a full fearlessness, right? It's just like a sense of confidence that, or a calling that, you know, overrides the amount of fearlessness inside what, that you have, um, because, I mean, we're always, you know, fearful of what might happen or what might not happen or what we don't know, right? But at the end of the day, I think that there are certain situations in which what needs to get done and what you see needs to be done um, kind of outrules whatever hold the fear has for you. And so it just becomes much less significant inside of you, right? And then so the confidence kind of starts to build and then you, you just do what you got to do, you know? Um, I think... You know, there's a lot of situations in which you saw me, there's, like, nothing left to lose, you know? Yes. And so when there's nothing left to lose, what are you fearing, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess fearless in that sense, but, you know, not without the, like, pressure of fear, too, right? I'm always with that as well. So. I think that's true. I think, but you were aware of that. But there was also, I mean, I'm sitting across from you now in the studio, and you're smiling. <laughs> and that was my memory of you as well. And naming hard things, but also this, I don't think it's even wrong to say joy, but I think it might have been born out of, I'm going to speak the truth, and I'm going to give voice to this. And you were doing that at the age of 19. <laughs> yeah. And now here you are in law school, and you did some important things in between. Um, tell me a little bit about the formation in your mind of, you know, these next steps on your journey and, and what's driven you. Yeah, you know, I think what's always, always driven me is, you know, this passion for learning and not learning in the conventional sense of like sitting and, and like, you know, reading a textbook, but more of like learning about the world, people, and like through that discovering like the meaning of love, you know, and the meaning of, of life, right? Like, why am I here? What, why have I been given whatever I've been given? What am I supposed to do with it? Um, and I think that every single stage of my life sees me trialing, arrowing, er mm -hmm. arrowing, mm -hmm. all of that, you know, and figuring out, okay, this is something I'm 
not necessarily just good at, because I think we're good at a lot of things, but, you know, I feel that, like, I want to do it irregardless of whether I'm good at it or not, you know? And I think that, like, that has been, you know, going and pursuing more education and, like, learning about different topics that I just wasn't necessarily as familiar with at one point. Or, like, you know, building, you know, the actual work that I was doing in undergrad and more of, like, the real corporate world. Um, we're coming back into, like doing law school again and thinking about, okay, this is like the culmination of being able to bring all my experiences and all my resources together to make that huge impact beyond just, you know, the two square mile college campus that I once existed on, right? Um, So yeah, and that's all again motivated by just this idea of like knowing that, you know, our true calling in life is kind of like learning to love and like this is how I learned to love people, places, things, the world, you know. So. Well, the the idea of our call in life is about learning to love um, is, you know, in many ways can be understood in religious context as well. Is there any spiritual context for you when you use that language? I mean, I am someone that was, you know, brought up in the Catholic Church. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so that is that, um, you know, Catholic mm-hmm. education through and through um, from grade, the beginning to whatever, mm-hmm. high school. Um, and I do have done every single sacrament, sacrament thus far, so that's that. Um, so, you know, there are those ideas that are, you know, promulgated by, you know, doctrine, right? right. Um, but, you know, I think that this stage in my life sees me moving away a bit from that. Mm-hmm. Um, at least it sees me moving away from organized religion and more like taking the core values and, and playing that out a bit, right? Yeah. So, like, I understood love as, like, you know, Jesus is, you know, this being, let's not call him a person, <laughs> whatever, um, that sacrifices himself in the end, right, for, like, you know, to wash away the sins of all of us, right? And, like, I can just see that self-sacrifice as something that continues to actually motivate me, right? Like, mm-hmm. I see myself, like, there are moments where I'm, like, I get angry and I'm, like, wait, no, like, I can see why a person did this. Let me take a step back and, like, think, choose to, like, hear them out, understand them, and, like, maybe be there for them where people haven't been there for them that made them do this, right? Um, and so that that... that that crosses everything that I do, right? It's like DEI where I think a company has just messed up whatever they've done or like, you know, thinking about carceral politics at the law school and thinking about like, yeah, maybe this person killed eight people, but why? What what was behind that, right? Mm -hmm. And like, how can we all point fingers? Where where did everyone go wrong along the journey to this Mm -hmm. moment where this person felt that this is what they had to do? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think that there's this idea of like empathy, you know, love in the form of empathy, love Mm -hmm. in the form of compassion, um, and just love as, like, the selfless, you know, I don't know, feeling, right, mm-hmm. that, like, is rooted in what I was taught in my religion that continues to transcend, you know, that doctrinal understanding of spiritual life um, to now, like, this every day I'm building how I want to associate myself with that doctrine and how I think about the next stage of my life and what I want to move and give to maybe my future family or the family that I'm creating right now with, like, the people that I love and you know, surround myself every day with, right? So, yeah, that's yeah. a lot. <laughs> no, I really appreciate it. And I also, I when I think of you, I really do think of you as a spiritual person, but not as part of an institution. Um, and, it, and so it almost feels in a more pure sense because it's not, there's no distraction of doctrine really in, the, in it. And when you talk about making mistakes or having fear and all those things that are just, part of being human. Mm -hmm. It's part of our journey. Um, I always circle back to there's got to be a foundation there that is really 
someone once said to me about interreligious work, they said, you're doing the work of the heart of God. And when I listen to you and I've watched you grow all these years, uh, that's absolutely what I see, is that the work that you're doing and what you aspire to do feels to me to be uh, the work of the heart of God and however we understand that. Um, but I think, you know, going back to that original question about fearlessness, because there's a spark of joy in your every breath, even probably, you know, when you don't want it. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, it seems to me it's a nutrient for you. It yeah. is. And uh, I hope that there are so many people that you're going to encounter in your life where you get to spread that nutrient out. I hope so, too. Yeah. I mean, I love being happy. I think I tell people all the time, you know, my favorite emotion is to laugh. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I love to have like that deep belly laugh, mm -hmm. you know, because what else is there to the world? What can be so serious? You know, I yeah. think that the only truth that we know in this world is that we're going to die. So yes. if we know that and we can accept that, then what's every other moment too, but to enjoy it, you know, and right. to, you know, make this place better, you know. So. And to bring that to people and yeah. even to bring it into tough moments. Yeah. And again, remembering you in your younger years, you're still very young, but you know, when you, when you were, naive years, <laughs> years um, there were ample moments to just bring a little joy and levity into a situation where people just felt like they had no more energy left. Yeah. And I suspect you did too. And yet there were still joy, you know, there was still joy in that. Uh, and, and so, you know, you're in, now you're pursuing a field that Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> it can be so serious and, you know, within the context of a very serious school. And I guess that's the, that's kind of the last sort of question I'm interested in hearing, you know, in asking you and hearing your responses. How do you bring that fearlessness into Yale Law School? <laughs> and even more importantly, into this career of yeah. law. I think that the biggest part is just, you know, I'm fearless about being myself. Um, I think that, you know, up until this point, there have been so many ways in which I've strayed from my core because, you know, these institutions have told me to be this or do that. Or, right. like, I thought I had to, like, act a certain way to get certain results. And at this point, like, this this is the one thing that I have been, you know, working towards for at least 26 years of my life, right? Mm -hmm. If we could say from the beginning to the end, like, this is it. Like, mm -hmm. I've always wanted to go to law school. And I've strayed from that path, you know, many a times, but I always came back to it. And now I'm like, okay, well, you know, for better or for worse, I'm at the top law school in the country, you know, and whatever that means to anybody, it means different things to everyone. But to me, it just gives me this, like, you know, this ability to just release myself from the shackles of what institutions want to, you know, impose upon me of how to act, what to care about, you know, what certain things to, like, put all my energies to, and rather just be me, you know, and think about, okay, I care that every single human being can live a life without suffering. What are the ways in which I can bring that to fruition, right? Um, I care that every person has the ability to of self-actualization, how can I bring that to fruition? And, you know, maybe that's not going to necessarily be chasing the next clerkship and, you know, being the next professor at Yale Law School because they don't respect that type of thinking sometimes, right? Um, but at the end of the day, that's what I care about. And maybe by me continuing to stay, you know, steadfast in that belief, you know, um, maybe that 
will allow that to permeate those fears a bit more and open all these other folks that are going to be leaders in the world, open their minds to think the same way that I think, right? Because that's what I saw about it in undergrad too, where it was like, you know, who wants an ethnic studies requirement? Who cares? And I thought, well, you know, every year we're graduating at least a thousand kids that are going to be leaders in their field. If these thousand kids had one moment to reflect and build more empathy for other folks that are not like them, we're making a change gradually, sure, you know, but it makes a difference, right? You can't say it was always out of your imaginary. No, because you got your imaginary influence while you were in college. And that's how I see my presence at the Yale Law School, right? Like, I think of myself as this class clown that I don't, you know, I don't try to perform taking myself too seriously. I don't because I never do. Don't get me wrong. If you challenge me, I will bite back. We know this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, don't make that error, right? Don't make that mistake. You know, take me for what I am. And what I am is someone that, like, deeply believes in the power of love, right, and the power to change people's lives with what I've been given because I know my life is drastically different than what anyone would have imagined it would have been 15 years ago, you know, or 13 years ago when I lost my dad, right? Um, so... Yeah, that's kind of it. I just, I'm fearless because I'm committed to being me. Um, And there's no one else like that can undermine who I am, right? Except myself. And maybe God, but you know, God's an extension (laughs) of me to a certain extent. So, you know, we can talk about that some other time. Um, You know, so that's, that's how I think about it. You know, at this point, like, I have the degrees. I've done the work. I've worked in different spaces. I've been me in each single one of them. Why can I not be myself at this place? Right, right. And what a gift for everyone else who maybe doesn't feel like they can. Yeah. And I think, you know, the blessing of your life, and you've known this, and you had to learn it at an early age, the gift of life. Um, You're an advocate for human beings. You're fearless, but you are. You're fueled by joy, and we're better for knowing you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for spending time on Time for the Soul. Thank you for having me. It was great. (laughs) It was pure joy. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Time for the Soul is produced by Ryan McAvoy, created by Sharon Kugler, Maytal Satiel, and Sean Mignon. Our music is by J.P. Durvin. This has been a production of the Yale Broadcast Studio. 